There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV friends, Pastor Mike here. Thank you for joining me again for this episode of WCN-TV. We are thrilled to welcome author, professor, doctor, in fact, Lowell (laughs) Busnitz, and we're going to talk about his book, Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. A recent article in Forbes magazine, the author made this statement, and um, if it would have been made five, 10 years ago, people would have wondered, well, how is that going to happen? But here was the statement, how we worked, and he means in the past, how we worked has changed forever. Boy, isn't that the truth? How we work has changed forever as more people, more and more people, in fact, prefer to work remotely. Employers are scrambling to find ways to to accommodate that preference and and, in many cases uh, request now and adapt to that. Now, technology certainly enables people to do what they did before from their home or their in, in, in their office. But, you know, there's a need within the workforce in this rush to work remotely and all these other things. There's a need within the workforce to come up with a healthier work-life balance while still contributing the skills that got them hired for the job in the first place. So that's one of the interesting things about Lowell's book, Soul Work. Um, And and he makes this statement. By the way, Lowell is Professor Emeritus from the University of Oklahoma. He believes that people need more than just convenient workspaces, more than than just uh, different or more convenient hours or even better pay. In fact, what they what they really need and, and many can't express it this way, but what they really need is to find purpose in what they're doing, purpose in, in what they're doing. Since our work, and this is a quote, since our work is a major part of who we are, to be able to integrate our work with our God, with our, with our individuality, with our spirituality, with our relationships is to engage with our, he calls soul work. And so hence the title of this book. Lowell says, engaging with entrepreneurship 
is a pathway to God. When we begin to see our work as an extension of our spiritual gifts, melding with our vocational talents, we find greater purpose. With God, work can become transformational. Boy, I'll tell you what, I experienced that in the last several years of my working career. Kathy and I both, uh, we begin to see that in our own lives. And so really enjoyed uh, this book. Would encourage you, if you're still in the workforce, to get a copy of this. But first, let's welcome Lowell to the program. Thank you for joining me today, brother. Thank you for having me. What a delight to be with you, Mike. Yes, amen. Well, uh, really encouraged by your book. Wished I'd have had it about 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very engaging. And um, Lowell, as we get into this conversation, uh, I, I, was, I was looking at all the endorsements. And uh, the one that stood out for me, it was uh, Sam Storm's endorsement. Well, first of all, because he's a pastor, but 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 secondly, because I'm I'm familiar with with Sam's work and and his his heartbeat. But this is something he said, and I thought, well, this would be a good lead in. Um, so Sam Storm said this. By the way, he's the lead pastor of preaching and vision at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City, folks. In case you're wondering, uh, but Sam wrote this about your book. He said, many struggle to see anything spiritual in work. The latter is a little more than what we do to get by, to earn a living and to survive, but hardly a reality that awakens us to God and his purposes in our lives. In his excellent book, Soul Work, Lowell Busnitz responds to this distorted viewpoint and unpacks for us the profoundly spiritual and Christ-exalting nature of our work and how it serves to connect us with God. If work has become for you a purely mundane necessity entirely detached from your personal relationship with the Lord. Read this book to be set straight and to be put on the right track. And I I gave a hearty amen to that, Lowell. That is so good. What a a great endorsement. Um, Because I think your book really is a a call to, to discover and really engage in a in a paradigm shift of sorts concerning yeah. the idea uh, of work. Would, would, is that a fair characterization? That is, yes, very much so. You know, that's what it took for me, I think, in my journey. You know, I just mm-hmm. like, I just, as I tried to honor God in my work, you know, and I, I brought ethical decision-making to work and loving others and, and uh, and so forth. I just kept thinking, wow, there's got to be more to it than than just doing good things in the workplace and acting uh, like a, a child of of Jesus, uh, a son of Jesus uh, in the in the workplace. But it, there was more to it than that, you know. And in fact, I also started discovering that some of some of my most significant strides forward spiritually started happening because of the workplace because of what was happening there and it's like wow how do i make sense of that uh and so so yeah so that's kind of what put me on this journey to uh and it really is a very much a different way of of thinking about work and instead of thinking about how do i take god to work with me 
which is good in and of itself, but it's a very incomplete model, if you please. I, uh, God is so much bigger than my back pocket, <laughs> of yeah. putting him in my pocket to take him to work with me. You know, yes. uh, he's already there. That's the the paradigm shift, if you please. That that I mean, in one sense, for those of us who've been in the household of faith for a long time, that well, yeah, of course, he's already there. He's God. But that's not how we think typically. We think we got to bring him with us to work yeah. to see that. To, for me, it was it was certainly revolutionary to to come to the point of recognizing, wow, he's already here and he's here in the in the work of my hands. I can see his I get glimpses of the thumbprints of his creation in the various aspects of work, whether that's in other people uh, and uh, how how people learn in the in the classroom where I was or whether it's you know, working with wood or metal or glass or whatever, uh, that there are thumbprints of God there waiting to be connected. Yes. Amen. Amen. And that's, that's, uh, exactly how you lay out the book. It's, it's divided into three parts, uh, part one, and, and, and we're going to walk through this uh, briefly, Lowell, for our viewers sake and, okay. um, encourage them. So there, thank you, producer. There's the book. Um, and the website, by the way, is lowellbusnitz.com, Lowell and it's L-O-W-E-L-L-B-U-S-E-N-I-T-Z.com. I hope you, you can see that uh, on the screen. But if you're uh, in the workplace or you know someone who is and perhaps they're struggling with uh, balancing things and having a, a good perspective, uh, on their work, then this would be a wonderful book to give to them and encourage them to to look at it. So it's uh, your book's divided into three parts, Discovering God Already at Work, which you've just touched on, and we'll do a little deeper dive into that in a moment. Uh, part two, Opportunities for Experiencing God at Work. Now, that was uh, that was a very important section. That's, that's five chapters uh, uh, in your book. And then the, the third and final part, the fruit of being with God at work, two chapters. And, and I really love the, uh, and I hope that I'm pronouncing this right, uh, avodah, which is um, worship and all that that means, especially now. I know some people are probably thinking at this point, Lowell, we're talking about the workplace, right? You did say workplace. <laughs> Amen. We are. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll tie that in uh, hopefully okay. before we're finished with this conversation, because now that we've piqued people's curiosity, um, you know, Christians are, are uh, fond of making statements about um, in all that we do, uh, do it unto the Lord. Um, everything that we do, we want to bring honor and glory uh, to the Lord. Um but I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that in probably a good percentage, maybe not a majority, but a good percentage, when we say things like that, we're not really uh, equating those to the workplace. Would you say, is that yeah. uh, true True or false there, Lowell? I think it is true. Yeah, that we, uh, you know, that we, that we don't equate that to the workplace. And there's, boy, how much we miss when we don't uh, do that. You know, yes. it, there's just uh, to state it another way. I just I, I think the if we cultivate it, I think the workplace is just a a major catalyst for our spiritual journey. 
because of, of work. Uh, that uh, and so and that's what we try to unwrap. Yes, yeah, and and you do a very good job of that. So immediately, uh, I imagine some that have joined us are thinking, "You don't know my boss. You <laughs> don't know the environment of the workplace yeah. that I'm subjected to day after day yeah. after day." Um, you talk about faith at work. Uh, but man, I I see people getting harassed or fired for for stating a Christian belief or you know these kinds of things. Even even school teachers we've heard of being being dismissed, fired for having Bibles on their desk. And so, how in the world are we supposed to bring our faith into the workplace in this kind of increasingly? Uh, restrictive environment. How, how would you answer that, Lowell? Yeah, you know, welcome to the workplace, and uh, and that's not an ex- exception or or true just for today. Look at Joseph's life <laughs> and his work. Look at Daniel. You know, Daniel was uh, was a foreigner in a strange land. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, got training and so forth, and faced a lot of opposition, big time opposition. Um, and it's uh, and it's part of it. I and I, you know, and I, I hurt for the for the people who are are struggling in the workplace. And and it's easy to think that, you know, maybe I need to change jobs, mm-hmm. go to a place that has values that are more consistent with with what I have and, and uh, maybe where bosses would be better. And, and, and sometimes God calls us to do that, certainly. Mm-hmm. But I, but he also calls us to be, be lights in this world and, uh, and to shine, shine forth. And, and uh, just because they're hard times <laughs> doesn't mean that he's not working. And in fact, what, what was, what's the famous quote from C.S. Lewis that, uh, God, uh, God whispers to us in our, um, uh, uh, ah, I forget now. That's uh, something our, like whispers to us in our good times and shouts yes. in our pain or something. Yeah. And, and, uh, talks to us in our consciousness or in yes. our conscience and, uh, and, and, uh, speaks loudly to us in our hard times. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's the hardest times that invariably draw us the closest to the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Well, one of the one of the things that is very helpful, I think, for people, and you stated in in the book, Lowell, is that um, in order to to have this paradigm shift in our thinking concerning work, uh, it would be very good for us to remember that. God actually came up with the idea to begin with, didn't he? He, he created work. <laughs> I struggled with, you know, I mean, I, I remember growing up as a, you know, a young teenager. I was, you know, on a farm and, you know, having to clean out the, the chicken, the manure from the chicken shed or in a still bin shoveling grain that was itchy or whatever. And I, I remember thinking, why did Adam and Eve have to sin? You know, I thought I was having to work because of sin. Uh, and it was just a refreshing eye opener when I came to realize that 
yeah, work was God's idea first. Uh, you know, welcome to Genesis one, and uh, and Genesis two was Adam. <laughs> go cultivate the garden. Go go work it. And uh, oh, by the way, I want you to help me name the animals too. Would you name them for me? Uh, you know, so I you know that I think that's just to, to get that foundation point set in place is is very helpful and refreshing actually. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Chapter two is is called a new paradigm, finding God already at work. It reminded me um, I'm going to I'm going to date myself here, Lowell. But I remember when uh, uh, Henry Blackaby first came out with his book, Experiencing God. And um, so that that dates me. That's back to the late (laughs) 80s, early 90s. (laughs) And uh, it it was so profound. I was a fairly new Christian. I've been been saved now for 40 years. Uh, but then the things that Blackaby was talking about, uh, I mean, every one of those points in his book were profound. And, and, and one that I have never forgotten to this day, I've probably repeated it, and this is no exaggeration, a thousand times if I've repeated it once, is, is this. God is always at work around you. And as a brand new believer, that was that was profound. And, and I still believe it's profound today because it reminds us of something. It, because God is always at work around us, when we become aware of an area where God is at work, to me, that is an open invitation from him to come get involved in the work that he is doing, whether it's in someone's life or with an issue or whatever the the case might be. So I think he made a very good point about um, our work is meant to impact our relationship with God. So could you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I, well, let me, let me approach that. Yeah. From, from the, Jesus's perspective, <laughs> you know, uh, his uh, his work was one. He worked for eighteen years or so, approximately. Assuming he started following his father around at age twelve and started engaging with some work that he, he worked for until he was thirty, and um, probably took over the family business uh, at some point. Uh, and interestingly enough, what I, what I find really interesting to see that perspective is, is how that affected his teachings, uh, particularly as par- the parables are most evident, perhaps in, in the parables, yes. and how many of those reach back into the workplace, trying to help people connect with what was going on. And as he tried to communicate his message, he was trying to touch them through the vineyards, <laughs> and yes. the workers in the vineyard, the vineyard owners, the... Uh, uh, the farmers and the seed sowers that uh, um, the uh, uh, the merchant who is looking for fine jewels um, that uh, and then there was the builder who didn't count the cost started building a project uh, and then uh, ran out of money and had to stop kind of wonder if Jesus might have been the a subcontractor on that and that kind of stuck in his mind a little, <laughs> but, but at any rate, he was always trying to connect with where people were at 
and bringing his truth to them. That, um, the, the Samaritan woman is, I think, another great example of that. that was, and a part of that that we often overlook is she was, she was in the midst of her work. She was a water gatherer. This was a noonday chore for her that she had to do. Uh, if Jesus had showed up at her house door, I, he had a hard enough time <laughs> connecting with her at the well in the midst of her work. She didn't strictly want to engage, but if he showed up at her door, I, I, I don't know that she would have been very open to any dialogue at all. And then he explains his truth to her in terms of the living water. She was there gathering water and he says, let me tell you about my, you know, who I am. I'm the living water. Right there in the, in the work of her hands, he's uh, communicating to her. And I, I, think, I think we can easily generalize from that, that God wants to, to, that he's already there at work mm -hmm. and, uh, and he wants to, longs to connect with us there. Yes, yeah. And one of the things that, that I tried to keep in mind, uh, Kathy and I both worked, um, you probably saw from my signature block on the emails we've exchanged back and forth that I, that I pastor and have pastored for 25 years. And uh, Kathy and I always worked up until um, 2020 when we were both able to retire from those jobs and devote our, our time and effort to ministry. Um, we always saw our, our workplaces as our uh, ministry fields, places where we could exemplify Christ, share Jesus. Um, and that certainly bore some fruit over the years. People knew that they could stop by and ask us to pray with them and for them and, and uh, had opportunities to share the gospel with, with people that had not received Christ yet. So Going into the to the workday every day, I always thought of it in in those terms. I'm heading into the to the mission field, to the ministry field, um, and in in a sense, uh, that helps us. And I'm just going to speak broadly and generally. That helps us to see that that work can be um, a tool that God uses to to further us along our, our journey uh, of, of faith, our spiritual journey, so to speak, as well as uh, a place where he can, he can develop and refine in us the spiritual gifts that he wants to use to reach others. Is that, uh, yeah. uh, I think that's consistent with what your book is saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I, I you, you mentioned, you talk about our giftedness there, <laughs> you know, and I, I just think we come up short when we try to limit our giftedness to the household of faith. Yeah. Not that we shouldn't use it there. Absolutely, we should. But uh, to, to check it at the church door, so to speak, uh, our giftedness, um, I, I think just brings it up way short. I think uh, part of Part of us seeing God already at work happens much more, how do I want to say, readily. Uh, uh, it, it's almost like they're, they're their own eyes when we're able to use our own giftedness in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but, I, but I think that it, it, it also op opens it up to, to share 
who we are as a person and to be be Christ-like in the in the workplace when we're able to start navigating our work in in ways that are is, is consistent with our giftedness. The joy of the Lord has a way of shining through that, <laughs> of being reflected through that. And uh, we start enjoying work and aspects of it anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, I just, that does not only our own soul a lot of good, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it, it uh, is contagious to others as well. Yes. Amen. We've kind of shifted into um, part two opportunities for experiencing God at work, and and I'll give those uh, for our viewers and um, producer. We're just about at the bottom of the hour, so uh, if you're prepared, we can run the sponsor spot, um, and uh, we would ask you to stay with us, friends. But but I'll give these, and then we'll discuss them on the other side of the break. Lowell, okay. Um, part two is opportunities for experiencing God at work. And these are the opportunities, the innovations with which we engage, our giftedness, the neighbors with whom we toil, the pursuit of workplace justice. That was an interesting chapter. Encountering uh, trials in the workplace. So so your comment here, it is my hope that these five chapters will be like a pathway that moves you closer to God uh, in your work. So we're going to discuss that when we come back uh, from the break. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Whoa, whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. All right. Well, thank you for for staying with us through the break. Um, I am speaking with uh, author Lowell Busnitz, and this is a wonderful book, Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. So um, very interesting principles that, I think most folks that are still in the workplace will find very, very uh, impactful and uh, paradigm shifting. That's a good phrase because uh, I think it it is true of most people that we do not view work as a pleasurable experience. And, and that needs to change. Um, I know the last... Uh, and, and I was blessed in, in, in my working career law. I, I, I worked um, as a buyer in a purchasing uh, department and really, really enjoyed the work and, and worked for some, well, all, all of the employers that I worked for over the years, very, very good employers, appreciated what they uh, were able to provide for me and my family, which, which uh, in, in my case, 
uh, as a pastor, I didn't draw a salary uh, from the ecclesia that I served. And so I worked for that support and insurance and all of those benefits. So so it, it blessed not just me and my wife and our children, but it blessed also the, the fellowships we were able to to pastor over the years um, by not by not having that on on the table. So so we're talking about now part two in your book, opportunities for experiencing God at work and uh, engaging God through innovation. Um, what exactly do you mean by that? Because most people are going to see that and say, I'm not following you. What do you mean? By that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and particularly, yeah, in the, in the book, um, overall, these five chapters really are about how we find or connecting with the thumbprints of God in our work. Okay. So, so when we engage in innovation and um, I've just found that some amazing things happen. Uh, Innovation is not just, Oh, let me just put a together with B uh, or A with E, nobody's done that before, and so I'll do that, and, and voila, we have an innovation. But rather, it's much more, um, usually much more challenging <laughs> and uh, much more in-depth. And, and so if we're going to put uh, two things together, put an innovation, we're going to pursue something, and we invariably have to understand with great depth what's going on below that and then we put it together and it works or it doesn't work and it's like okay what if we apply heat or or what if we we do an interaction effect with the third component or whatever 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 and all of a sudden we're seeing the uh uh amazing facts about creation so what what getting involved in the innovative process does it it requires us to connect with either raw materials that God is the creator of <laughs> uh, that, that we have at our disposal and we, and it's, and it kind of unwraps for us or we uh, or if we're doing, let's say an innovation about organizing a, uh, a firm, uh, you know, and this hasn't been working. Customers get dropped by or get uh, dropped out. Don't feel like they're important or, or the uh, work of coworkers is is being uh, isn't meshing to get well together. We've got to redesign the organization. We've got to engage in some innovation, organizational innovation, if you please, organizational structure to make this thing work better. Uh, because of certain personalities, of because of certain giftedness, of certain ways of working, that we've got to uh, got to do that. When uh, so, so yeah, so if you're working uh, with uh, whether you're you're in the on the farm working with plants and animals, whether you're you're working with technology and and uh, zeros and ones, <laughs> writing code, uh, that there's all this is is an extension of the order that God has has originally put in place. And uh, and we see things in in a little tiny um, space in, in where we have some expertise. It's uh, uh, this little tiny space where we get to see some glimpses 
of who God is. And uh, I think innovation is just a wonderful way to, to, to bring that out. Uh, and whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're engaging in organizational innovation in a larger company and you're coordinating efforts between divisions or between different people, uh, there are uh, amazing phenomena that get unwrapped in the midst of innovation and require you to, to learn and understand things at a much deeper level. And, uh, and I would argue there's the thumbprint of God that we see, wow, look at what he's created here. And uh, when we work with people this way, it works a whole lot better than when we uh, work with people another way sort of thing. And, and, and that's the, that's, so that's the beauty of, of innovation that, um, and, the other, and the other four chapters too, but to, to take us to the thumbprints of God. Yes, yes. And I like how you uh, extrapolated all of that, Lowell, from the command that God gave to Adam and Eve to take dominion and uh, take dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and, and, and the land and the animals that we are to take charge of that. We are to prosper. We are to reproduce. We are to, so all of that embodies or necessitates innovation, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean... God gave us fruit trees, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gave us the animals, right? Uh, but he didn't tell us how to make applesauce. You know, he, he didn't tell us how, he gave us fish and he gave us the, the body of water, mm-hmm. but he didn't tell us how to fish. Yes. Uh, you know, and so people have learned that over over the <laughs> centuries. Um, but, uh, and and we get a build on what other people have have discovered. And uh, so, but, and I think the treat, spiritual treat, if you will, in in the midst of a lot of the innovation process is we get to become co-creators together with God. Just like God told Adam to, to uh, name the animals and, uh, and uh, cultivate the garden. He didn't tell him how to cultivate the garden, uh, but, uh, but he was to do that. And uh, and so I, he leaves it. I, I think he leaves a, a lot to us that to, that we're, where we get to become co-creators together with him. Yes. And what a privilege that is to to do that. Yes. Yeah, it absolutely is. So in this same section, then chapter five, practicing your spiritual gifts at work. Now, <laughs> I imagine some some folks that have joined us all those saying, oh, I don't think my spiritual gifts would fit at work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe maybe expand on that a little bit on on exactly uh, what it is that you're getting at in this chapter for those that it might be wondering. Ah, uh, my spiritual gift is this and this, and I don't see how it fits. Well, I think uh, Lowell will be able to help you with that. So please share a little bit. Yeah, you know, and I I, I think we over spiritualize spiritual gifts <laughs> a lot, you know, and I. I actually don't draw a distinction between um, uh, talents and and gifts. Uh, maybe there is at at some level some little distinction there, but but when we have uh, we're given talents, our employers give us opportunity to get training someplace. They if we have a you know a, a, an employer with worth their salt, they uh, they see what 
where different people are are gifted. And he said, man, you know, when we come to an analysis of customer responses or the data or or uh, when something needs to be repaired or or organizing special events, man, Judy, you really do that great. Uh, and, uh, you know, we need to send you to some training to get you better at that even. Uh, you know, that's what a good employer will do. And, yes. and invariably, when, when we work in those areas where, where we've been trained, where we have abilities to, to do things better than, than others, I, I call that God's giftedness. And whether that, that's in part of what we've been endowed with as, as individuals, whether it's the training that we have come, whether it's uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, I think it's all, all that. And uh, and boy, to, I think it's a way that we get to see the thumbprint of God. And, and it's in our giftedness, invariably, where we're able to see the nuances of what's happening at work and understand the, the little twist with people and, and how they respond, how one person responds versus versus another. Um, and uh, and I, I just... I think those are all opportunities for, for the thumbprints of God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So there's a section here. I'm just going to point this out. And if you have any comments, but opportunities for soul work with your gifting. So that's what we're talking about in this chapter, friends. Uh, and again, I'm speaking with uh, author, Dr. Lowell Busnitz. The, the book there you see is soul work, finding God and your entrepreneurial person. And, and listen, you don't have to be a, a, a business founder, a CEO, um, you, capital venture. You, you don't have to be any of those things to yeah. to really reap some benefits from this book. Um, and yeah. you you even have a page here talking about giftedness and the resources and all of that. But but I'm interested uh, before a, a final question in this chapter. Uh, opportunities for soul work with your giftings. You talk about the discipline of action, the discipline of competency, and the discipline of uh, God in your talents. So really understanding who you are, who who God has created you to be, and how he has gifted you in certain areas. And all of us have some giftings, friends, all of us. And I know the enemy of our soul wants us to believe that um, that's not true. We don't have any worth or value. And that's simply a lie. We all have giftings. We are worthy because Christ says we are. And, and we can use those in, in the workplace. We just have to figure out what they are and then zero in on what energizes you, what, what motivates you and yeah. use that as part of the, the team in your work environment. Would you like to add anything else to that, Lowell? No, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I just say an amen over here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Final, final. Yes. Final question in this, um, in this section is uh, one that is talked about a lot. I know you've probably dealt with it uh, much more exhaustively than just mentioning it here in this chapter, but how, how would you recommend people deal with burnout? Cause that's, a, that's an, that's an issue today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it, 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 I think we burn out when we're, when we feel like we're not being effective. 
-hmm. when when we're you know and giftedness and discovering your giftedness and functioning in your uh giftedness and and finding opportunities to express those and and hopefully your employer uh or your work environment you're able to do that more and more that's the antidote to burnout Mm -hmm. i think you know and 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 people people respond when we work in our areas of not to overplay the word giftedness per se but when we work in our strengths um when we're people are touched by that and and yeah that's as you you use the word energizing a little bit ago yeah that's energizing for us and and it's contagious to others yes amen amen so uh here's a chapter that's really gonna really gonna speak to some people uh chapter six loving your workplace neighbors yeah obviously uh play on the command to love you love your neighbors as yourself uh and I, <laughs> I've got a story that I could share, uh, and perhaps I will during this conversation. Um, but friends that have joined us today, before Lowell speaks on this, um, have you ever considered the workplace? And folks, um, I call them, here's, here's the phrase I call them, um, irregular people. Irregular people. And, and I borrowed that phrase uh, 30, 35 years ago from an author that I, that I had read and, and uh, the author was trying to explain how do you overcome um, the friction or, 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 or the, the disconnect that you, that you experience, that you sense, that you feel um, between yourself and other people. And, and sometimes it, it's, it gets to a level where, um, and I know people that have joined us, Lowell, they're going to get this. Uh, you see them coming, walking down the hallway at your workplace and you turn around and head in the other direction. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I mean by irregular people that they, they seem to frustrate you, get under your skin. Um, but friends, have you considered that perhaps that's an opportunity that God wants to use to do soul work in, in your own life? Yeah to enable you to reach those people that uh, rub you the wrong way. Well, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, you know, and, and that's reality, you know, we don't connect well with, with everyone <laughs> around. Yeah. Right. And when we, when we have those people at work, I, I think those are opportunities to, to fall, fall down before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't have the strength to love. Hank, <laughs> I don't have the love in my heart to, to, to really reach out to Mary. Help me. Give me opportunities. And to see, watch the doors that God opens up in the midst of that. He'll, you know, he inevitably provides. If that's your heart and that's your need and you've taken it to him, invariably he will open up those doors. Yes. You know, and and I I like to think of this as the uh the parable of the of the good samaritan yeah in this context of loving others mm-hmm. and, um and 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 we don't know for sure but there's a very good chance uh that the good samaritan was a business merchant who regularly traveled that road 
had relationships with the innkeeper, <laughs> had a had a, a a credit account, so to speak. It wasn't literally a credit account, but in all likelihood, they knew him. And when he said, "Hey," and if you he trusted them, and if they had more expenses than this covers, I'll be back. Uh, you know, and and so anyway, he took that work opportunity to reach out to the unlovable, <laughs> to yeah. the one that others were ignoring. And boy, where do we see that other than the workplace where, oh, you don't want to have anything to do with with so-and-so, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're they on the outs with so, with somebody else or, or they had a, had a bad day at work and they really burned some bridges and, mm-hmm. uh, or, or whatever it is, they have bad body odor or breath and nobody wants to hang around them or, or something. You know, those are all opportunities to, to, uh, to love, to love on some people that, that normally don't get love and, uh, and, uh, and to share the love of Christ in that context. Yes. Amen. Forgiveness, compassion, generosity, no. those things don't stop at the, at the door to your employment that we are meant yeah. to carry those with us in there. I'll just share a, a story briefly that, that kind of illustrates this in, in my wife's working career. Um, there was a situation where uh, there was a coworker that just insisted on not getting along. And I think that explains it well enough. It was, <laughs> is just not, uh, the desire of this individual to get along uh, with with my wife, and I don't know if it was because she was uh, hostile to Kathy's faith or what the what the case was, but there came a day when um, this person experienced a tragedy in their life, and they they were broken, and this was during work hours, and this person came to Kathy with this hurt, this burden and was sharing it with her. Kathy at first was very surprised that this person was doing that. But then she realized that God didn't to borrow the, your phrase. Well, she realized that God was doing soul work there, not just in, in this coworkers life, but in her life, because you know, when you're when you're continually rebuffed and rebuffed and rebuffed and you know people don't care for you and they're short with you and they're they're so you, you kind of build up some defenses to defend yourself from further hurt. But that fence that it completely came down in Kathy's life and obviously in the life of her coworker, she was sharing this. Kathy was able to pray with her and minister uh-huh. to her. In that hurt, it was a beautiful thing. And it, yes, for those that are wondering, uh, it did change the tone and tenor of that of that relationship moving forward. So there is opportunity there, uh, even in difficult situations when you know somebody doesn't care for you. You may not know why, but God can still do soul work. Anyway. Yeah. I think he wants to, Lord, especially in those situations. Your thoughts? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, those are opportunities to to come before God and and ask for his intervention, uh, Mm -hmm. ask for his work to bring circumstances together to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 
Amen. So um, we're, we're at chapter seven now, compassionate justice for soul work. Now, um, that's one of those words today that's supercharged. <laughs> and and people hear that word differently. Yeah. So what do you mean by that in, in the context of this chapter, um, compassionate justice for soul work? What exactly does justice have to do with work? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, so the reality is, again, that in the context of our work, we're going to always see injustice. We're going to see, see wrongs committed. Let me use a different word. Mm-hmm. We're going to see wrongs committed. And mm-hmm. whether that is a customer that has been uh, taken advantage of by a competitor of ours, or whether uh, it's um, an employee that uh, is, uh, or a fellow worker who's getting passed over for promotions. Be, um, maybe the reasons are known, maybe they're not known, you know, that, um, it, but it's clear that is that he or she's a very capable individual and, uh, and, and people are ragging on them. Uh, and and taking advantage of them or not um, trying to put them down or 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 a colleague does something and, and does really good work and the boss takes it or even a, a another co- co- colleague takes it and claims all the credit for it. I mean how often does that happen uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. you know and 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 sometimes um Maybe a lot of times, maybe the majority of times, uh, the option we have is to come alongside the person who has been injured, uh, who's been hurt. uh, And um, sometimes when we get a little further along, maybe in our in our our organization, we have opportunities and the right situation to do something about that. Hey. You know, maybe um, to defend so and so when they're being considered for another position in the company, or uh, or try to get them to come to work for you, or something to do that uh, where you know that there were bad evaluations intentionally filed that were not true, that falsehoods were were claimed, that you you stepped in and rectified it. You don't have to bring justice to or fairness to to all of it. <laughs> to the whole landscape, but to those people around you, I guess I would encourage you to to just think tenderly about those people and how you could come alongside them in a way and and support them, let them know that you saw that that wasn't fair and and that maybe it's just offering them a, a support and a sounding board. Mm-hmm. Can't do anything about it, but but you can do that and yeah. um, putting in a good word when you can. Yes, Amen. So so this discussion and and in the book uh, Soul Work: Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits, um, this is all part of a larger. Um, can I call it a movement? Law the faith to work, maybe a faith to work model. Is it a movement? I, 
Yeah, unofficially, I think it is. Okay. The Faith at Work uh, movement, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's been going for maybe 30 years. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I think so. You know, increasing amount of discussion about, hey, wait a minute, we need to talk about bringing our faith into the workplace. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it really encourages us, friends. It, it the, the Faith to Work model or movement is encouraging us to bring the the right and by right i mean godly um that he'll inform us of the of the proper thoughts the proper behaviors that we need to bring into the workplace so that we can be on mission even there um sometimes people act as if well i take off my my faith hat because i'm going to work now in a snow actually that's where you should wear it <laughs> it's when you go to work so that you can experience the, the fruitfulness of, of what God has has committed to you and to your life and, and the things that he has poured into you. And and certainly if, if you're an older um, man or woman in the in the workplace, um, be much more fruitful because you have a good foundation upon which you're building and you understand uh, what the, 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 the beautiful things that can come out of 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 the workplace. So. That is uh, that seems to be uh, the thrust law is, is bringing us. You've brought us through this book and, 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 and you've educated us and equipped us to understand that the right thoughts, the right behaviors coming into the workplace, wearing those those giftings that God has already given us is is will can't help but produce fruit in the workplace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation today very much. Well, enjoyed the book. Uh, for those of you, again, who are in the workforce uh, and maybe you're struggling, I think this book would be a great help to you. Soul work, finding God in your entrepreneurial pursuits. A lot of good principles. And, and, and before, we, before we go, I also want to say that I really appreciated uh, the appendix uh, the appendix was fantastic because um, it is for pastors. Look there, an appendix for pastors to help their folks, their brothers and sisters that they minister to. Because I can tell you that as a pastor, um, we get a lot of conversations, a lot of people that come to us with issues of the workplace and how should I handle this and how should I handle that? Well, there's an appendix here. If you're in ministry, uh, this is worth the price of the book right here. <laughs> It'll really help you in your in your counseling ministries, especially. So, well, thank you for writing the book. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. It's a, and Praise be to the Lord. He, you know, he's yeah. had me on this journey and uh, um, may his name be honored. And Avodah, we want to worship him. Oh, Avodah, that's it. Yes. Well, <laughs> oh, man, uh, Avodah. Let's, let's talk about that. Just we've got a couple minutes left. So we I can't okay. let you go till we talk about that. Tell us tell us what that means. So there's this great Hebrew word that sometimes is translated, Avodah is sometimes translated into English as, as work. Sometimes it's translated as service. Sometimes it's translated as worship. Sometimes it means all three or two of the three. Uh, the, the 
the point of all that is that in in Hebrew <laughs> and the importance of, of of work and that work is a channel is is so closely aligned with our worship with seeing God who He is. So yes. my prayer is for 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 those of you listening that that you um, would come to see your work as an opportunity to to worship our God. That that work and your worship would would combine uh, and that you would not just take your Sunday teachings from Sunday to Monday, but that you would take Monday through Saturday (laughs) to church with you as fodder for worship, that where you saw the imprint of God's imprint in your work, uh, in manifestation of other people or in innovations or whatever, whatever, that those would become a a catalyst and, and, uh, in uh, in your worship on Sunday morning as well, that it would prepare you for worship, that you don't just arrive Sunday morning with an empty tank waiting to be filled, rightfully so, yes, but also take something with you of your work to worship. Amen, amen. Thank you for bailing me out there, Lord. <laughs> bringing that up. <laughs> I would have really been That's- disappointed. That was, to me, that's the climax of the book. Chapter yes. nine, climax yes. of the Amen. book. I, uh, God touched my heart for that. <laughs> Amen. Go go, go buy Lowell's book, friends. Uh, LowellBusnitz.com. Soul Work is the book. That is all we've got for you this episode. We'll see you next week here on WCN TV. God bless you all. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike. Great. Thanks. 